0: Welcome to Episode 5 of What We Are Learning About Learning, a podcast about higher ed teaching and learning created and produced by the Center for New Designs in Learning and Scholarship, also known as CANDLES, at Georgetown University. I'm Kim Heisman-Labreski.
1: And I'm Joe King. The focus of this episode is on what we're learning about teaching and mentoring from graduate students who are in a unique position in higher education, both teachers and students, mentors and mentees. This unique position of wearing multiple hats generates key insights that are relevant to all of us focused on learning in higher education. The six graduate students you'll hear from today have experience as teachers and teaching assistants, and also participated in the Apprenticeship and Teaching Program, also known as the AT Program, at Candles. The AT Program is a campus-wide professional development program for graduate students. Its primary goals are for graduate students to engage with a community of their peers, learn about best pedagogical practices, and develop into more reflective and skilled instructors. The program includes workshops, mentoring, and teaching-related assignments, all designed to enhance their preparation for college teaching and other forms of education, and to increase their confidence and preparation for a thriving professional practice.
0: Being a graduate student often means trying to balance competing demands and interests. For Rabia Kirmani, six-year PhD student in the government department, One of the most challenging balances is the one between teaching and research, a challenge faced by many faculty as well. Experiencing this tension as a student leads her to emphasize a way in which this tension can be constructive.
2: I think a big challenge has been just realizing that I want to focus as much on teaching as I want to on research. Um, The reason why I say it's challenging is because maybe maybe the outcomes are not as clearly measurable. Or at least they don't fit; they don't conform to measures of success that we currently have in academia. So you might not be producing articles, or you know, and some some people are savvy enough to actually do that. They they produce pedagogical art, uh, articles which are very useful. But uh, but I guess the challenge for me has been realizing that that is okay. Um, that you're going to be getting something a little bit more intangible uh, out of out of your teaching experience, which is going to help in other aspects of your work.
1: There's also the tug of war between being a student on one hand and being a teacher on the other. As captured by Jamae Brown, Associate Director of the Center for Student Engagement and also a first year Flex MBA student, it can be a lot.
3: Whew, my schedule is full. My inbox is also full. And sometimes it's like, wow, how am I keeping up with myself? (laughs) Most days I do a pretty good job and I give myself a little kudos when I need to. And then days where perhaps I need to take a step back from something, I give myself grace to do that too. Especially because I'm doing all of this in a panty still, right? So that's okay.
0: Graduate students regularly express a sense of isolation from university life outside of their departments. Teaching has been a way for some graduate students to feel more connected to the rest of the university. Sam Weiss, master's candidate in the English department, put it this way. I am a TA now. I'm in two, for two different classes and have been since last summer, which
4: I love and has been a very different experience than when I wasn't a TA. Um, Because when I wasn't a TA, I I just felt like very, like sort of graduate students are in their own sphere and like not connected to undergrad students really at all. Um, So being actually able to be in the classroom with undergrad students has been very helpful for me.
1: Graduate students have a unique view of teaching and learning. Often teaching is a new element of their experience, making the resources that have been most helpful fresh in their minds. The students we interviewed talked about what inspired them and helped them learn more about what makes a good teacher and mentor. Rubia Kirmani described one of her best experiences as a student, this way,
2: I had the benefit of teeing for uh, Matthew Carnes, who uh, teaches uh, comparative political systems, and I think that that was actually one of the best graduate experiences that I've had. I learned so much from his class because he uh, modeled a a very engaged. Uh, teaching philosophy, where he made sure that students were able to access the materials, that they knew exactly what they're going to be assessed on. He was very clear about these things. And I could see that to some that would come off as being too strict, but to me it was coming off as very clear and very consistent about what expectations are going to be.
0: Becoming a TA can also include surprises and revelations. Here Kirmani shares some of her observations in the classroom.
2: It's really interesting because um, as soon as you become a teaching assistant, you kind of get a almost a a, a look under the hood of how the course functions, and some of your um, some of the ideas that you have about how instructors function are are dispelled. Um, some of the myths around how um, instructors view students are also dispelled um, but something that i've really um, I've been surprised by is how different each instructor is. Some people take their uh, their pedagogy, their teaching, their classes so seriously while also being excellent research scholars. Um, and some people are very, um, I wouldn't say careless, but they're definitely not thoughtful about their teaching commitments. Um, it's just an activity to be performed and there isn't a feedback loop between them and the students. And As a TA, I've noticed that it really impacts how students view their experience in the course and how much they learn from it.
1: Here, Kirmani emphasizes a major theme that came up over and over. Straddling the student-teacher divide, she emphasized the importance of having and communicating care and concern for others as a fundamental element of teaching and learning. Sometimes this starts with the little things. Jamee Brown talked about the importance of taking the time to learn students' names and how to pronounce their names.
3: Using a student's name, so many faculty members now, especially with somebody like me, a five-letter name, but it gets butchered all the time. They're like, let me know if I mess up your name. Like, seriously, stop me, correct me. So faculty members are being more open about having that conversation.
0: Sam Weiss described how one of their professors created an inclusive environment by not only being sensitive to individual student needs, but actively trying to learn more about them.
4: I had a faculty member who, you know, started out, the class having like individual like we all signed up for like an individual meeting with her just to do like a five-minute check-in to talk about our learning style um and our, our general like learning needs and some people you know we like I'm a person who thinks about that a lot because I have needs that are often not met um but not everyone has has even been asked that so it provided a really cool opportunity for everyone to sort of share with her what our learning needs were so that she could incorporate that into her instruction.
1: In addition to learning more about students, Sam similarly appreciates when faculty open up more about themselves. This mutual sharing fostered community and led to a shift in power dynamics in the classroom.
4: I also had a different professor who started out the like literally just like the first day of class. They just like
1: talked.
4: they like introduced themselves and talked about themselves as like a whole person not just as like oh I teach this but they were like oh yeah like this is what I do for fun and these are like my pronouns and my hob- my hobbies and like this is I have a partner and they're like this and obviously some people don't want to do that and that's totally fine but I, I it was really cool to have that sort of established like oh our faculty lead is a is a person and I think that made students feel a lot more comfortable talking to them and sort of changed that power dynamic a little bit.
0: On a related note, neuroscience PhD candidate Cameron McKay claims that in being both a student and an instructor, he's learned that there's one central principle undergirding good teaching.
5: The main thing it boils down to is compassion. Really digging down into those, you know, cura personalis values that we at Georgetown really talk about. I think this is the time more than ever that we need to put those into practice. You know, it doesn't hurt to be kind. Uh, it costs you nothing. Um, so, you know, just being gracious with workload, with deadlines, with with assignments, and you know, I think that end of the day, we really want students to be, enjoy learning. I, for better or worse, started my my teaching career being a little less. Sympathetic. So, I really didn't come to any student issues with a sense of compassion by default. Uh, really, it was something that I had to work towards. Um, really thinking, okay, you know, these students are just complaining. Uh, they think that the workload is too much compared to their other classes, but, you know, I'm not in their other classes. I don't really know what else they have on their plate. And, you know, so some of the classes that I taught had people who were non traditional students, um, people who were not 18 to 22, Um, some of them were older, some of them were part-time students, some of them had children, Um, and that was an experience that I think before the pandemic really opened up my eyes to think people have lives outside the classroom, and they are dealing with so much more that they don't even tell you about, and that you will probably only know a fraction of, and to really just approach situations on a case-by-case basis, but to default to I understand, it's okay, let's work towards a solution and not, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is, it's in the syllabus, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do, you agree to take this class, I'm sorry. So I think over the course of my teaching and seeing what life is like for students as an instructor has really helped me realize that, yes, I think being compassionate and being kind is the way to go.
1: Christina Cola at the McCourt School of Public Policy and in the Executive Masters of Policy Leadership Program has this to say about compassion in professors and students alike.
6: I think that that has an effect on a student psyche when you've got a, a professor like that who you feel is interested in your well-being, your mental health, your physical health. And I would encourage all teachers to be like that once again, you know, When your students know that you care, like I said, not only about about what they're doing in your classroom, but about their mental and physical well-being, I think that makes a difference in how your students respond to you. As far as the students, I would say that they have to speak up. If, If something is not working for them, they really need to just speak up and tell the professor hey this isn't working what can we do and that professor has to be willing to hear them out and let's figure this out let's have this conversation and and we'll work it out so i think it's being open and and being willing to to be flexible that flexibility is always key in listening ultimately you know not just hearing somebody but really listening to what they're saying and and knowing that they're coming to you from a vulnerable place many times
0: And here's Kirsty Jones, a fourth-year graduate student in the Theology Department.
7: Be responsive. And I don't mean like replying to emails 30 seconds after you get them. I mean listening to what students are saying.
1: For Jones, it's also about respect for students.
7: I have an open access policy um, that if students need not accommodations in terms of things they would go through the um, Disability Resource Center, But, you know, if they're sick and need an extension, I don't, I tell them that they don't have to disclose to me, but that I trust them as adults to um, do what they need to do and work the program around that. And I think that because I trust them and treat them like adults, they're more likely to respect it.
0: Jemay Brown argues that this emphasis on care for students is a matter of values.
3: I feel like we hear this all the time, what I want to say. So I'm trying to Worded in a way that is new and fresh, but also what we all know we should be doing. And that is like coming into the learning environment, your classroom from entering that space from a place of care a place of love really embodying these Jesuit values it's not enough to just have them in the syllabus it's not enough to just have the accessibility statement in your syllabus like your classroom has to be accessible and inclusive in a place where students feel cared about and loved yes that is true in all subjects So that's what I would say shout scream and I say shout and scream those things because I love Georgetown right because I do hold so many different titles and positions here and I think when you love something you are more open to you know like seeing its blind spots and where it can do better but I try to come from a place of like how can I help it be better so I'm excited that we are talking about this hopefully people will listen Maybe they've heard it from me and 20 other people, and they're like, yes, we should definitely do that.
1: Their experiences have shaped these graduate students as teachers. They've also helped them figure out how to succeed as students and as learners. They share their candid advice to all learners, advice that is relevant to both students and faculty alike. Cameron McKay.
5: I actually have some some advice that and and it's something I've been thinking about. Um, It's remember why you're here. Uh, And that's been something that has been helpful for me as I approach the the twilight hours of my Ph.D. sort of thinking, well, what what drew me to Georgetown? What drew me to this Ph.D.? What drew me to this research that I'm doing? And that has been really helpful to think about what was my motivation several years ago to get to where I am now and thinking about, you know, I have probably outpaced the even the wildest dreams of my pre-grad school self. Uh, and I think that the same thing can be true for, you know, thinking about, you know, it's undergraduate students or graduate students uh, thinking about why did you come here? What was what was your motivation? What aspects of the in-person experience really um, captured your attention? Because there was something that, that drew past you to where you are now, and reminding yourself of that can be a tremendous source of motivation and inspiration, I think.
0: Here's Jime Brown. For the
3: undergrads, I really try to set them up for success in my teaching. And part of that is telling them, like, you have to try to be your full, authentic self in every space. So that would be my feedback for them. I'm a big fan of self-advocacy. I don't know what I don't know, and yes, I can ask, but you also have to tell me too, right? One, if I'm not asking frequently enough, but when I ask, definitely tell me what's right, what's working, what isn't. Hopefully there's an environment where feedback is welcome, right, whether it's being explicitly requested or not. And I guess that would apply for grad students too. Like I'm very honest with my professors when I show up for office hours, like, yeah, I'm not really catching this part or or picking up on this. Um, And again, that comes with more experience, but that's what I would say. Self-advocacy is important for students to get through their time in college, especially in undergrad. So don't be afraid to, like, say what you need.
1: Graduate students had some advice for undergraduate students, starting with Kirstie Jones.
7: Continue to push yourself, but be kind to yourself at the same time. So push yourself within your limits, I guess.
2: And here's Rabia Kirmani. I have two pieces of advice, and one is very trite, but so true. Um, Make sure you get enough sleep. Cannot press that enough. But the second would be to understand that instructors are there to help them learn. And so approach them. Don't hesitate to reach out to somebody if you have questions, concerns, ideas, you want to talk to them. That's the best way to learn.
1: It isn't always easy, but these graduate students have found ways to balance their different priorities and allow those priorities to reinforce one another. Kirmani again.
2: Despite repeated advice from multiple people, both at Georgetown and outside, where the focus is you should be only looking at your research work and not thinking about teaching, looking at some of the people that I admire who balance these two has really made me realize that that is not the advice I want to follow.
0: In acknowledging that tension exists between teaching and research, Graduate students, relatively new to both, have also discovered that there is a real potential for teaching and research to reinforce one another.
2: Here's Kirmani again. I've realized that people who are engaged in conveying knowledge are the ones who are also capable of doing some really innovative research, uh, just because they know how to get ideas across and get people excited about them.
1: Graduate students at Georgetown are a critical part of the teaching force from mentors and tutors to teaching assistants and instructors in their own classrooms. Their dual roles of being student and teacher simultaneously come with challenges, tensions, and competing demands. The proximity of these differing roles in the lives of graduate students, however, likewise leads to important revelations, insights, and personal growth. Listening to their experiences and lessons learned highlights what students want and need from their professors as well as how professors can approach their teaching in order to promote greater learning. They also offer a compelling reminder about why teaching is so important.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of What We Are Learning About Learning. In our next episode, we will explore the transition back to in-person learning in the fall, and will focus on what students need. This episode was made possible by many people at Candles, including Molly Chihak, Sophie Grabiak, James Olson, Megan Mataferi, David Ebenbach, Lee Scalarip-Bissett, and Ellery Cyberson. Big thanks to the graduate students who shared their teaching experiences with us. Jume Brown, Christy Nicola, Kirsty Jones, Fabia Kirmani, Cameron McKay, and Sam Weiss. Thanks also to Milo Stout for creating original music for this podcast. For more information about our podcast series and our guests, check out our show notes. Where we find links to previous episodes, information about our apprenticeship and teaching program, our website and blog, and other resources. Again, I'm Kim Heisman-Labreski.
1: And I'm Joe King. Thanks for listening.